Chapter Two of Tom of the Raiders by Austin Bishop. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Brett Downey. The Raiders Start. Come with me, said Captain Moffat as he emerged from Bert Brewster's tent. Tom had been waiting outside while Bert and the captain were talking. He had recognized several men from Cleveland in the company and had tried to carry on a conversation with them, but conversation was impossible. His mind was too full of hopes and plans to recall the news from home. Now, as he walked up the company street, he wondered what the captain was thinking. Would he be allowed to take Bert's place? He hazarded a glance at the captain's face, but he could find no answering expression there, always the same stern mask from which black eyes flashed. Tom could feel his heart pounding as they entered the captain's tent. "'Sit down,' said Captain Moffat, pointing to a box. He called his messenger. I don't want to be disturbed for a few minutes. Very good, sir, answered the messenger. He stationed himself a few yards in front. It strikes me, the captain said, as he sat in a folding chair directly before Tom, that you are entirely too young to be sent out on such an expedition as this. But I like to know that you volunteer for it. it. Gives me a comfortable feeling to have men in my company who are always ready for anything that comes up, who are perpetual volunteers for the dangerous jobs. Tom felt his heart sink. Then he wasn't to be allowed to go. This was simply a nice way of telling him that he couldn't. But, Captain, he said explosively, I'd rather do this than anything else on earth. I am young, I'll admit that, but that'll make me all the more valuable. If it comes to carrying messages, I can run for miles without stopping. Why, I can move faster and fight harder just because I am young. Please give me the chance. The Captain looked at him narrowly. You really want to go, don't you? Yes, Tom almost shouted. All right, said the captain, rising from his chair. You are going. Tom wanted to thank him, but he was speechless. You will hold yourself in readiness for orders. The captain had become the quiet, stern military man again. You will let it be known that you are here to visit your cousin, and when you leave camp you will say that you are returning home. Yes, sir. In the meantime, provide yourself with some rough clothes at Shelbyville, and some heavy shoes. I will provide you with a revolver. That will be all now. Yes, sir. Tom hurried back to his cousin's tent in a daze. The next afternoon, at the general store in Shelbyville, he bought a rough suit and a heavy pair of shoes. Just wrap the suit up, he told the clerk. I'll be in for it tomorrow or the next day. I'll wear the shoes. He tramped back to Murfreesboro, displayed his pass to the sentry, and went to Bert's tent. The doctor has been in again, Bert told him. He says that my ankle will be well within a week or so. Good! exclaimed Tom. Look at my pretty little shoes. He displayed the heavy, rough boots he had bought at Shelbyville. You ought not to start in those things, advised Bert. New shoes will cripple you. Here, we'll trade. He produced a pair which had been worn soft in miles of marching. And here's a waterproof cape for you. No, I don't want to take your things. But Bert insisted. I know this sort of life. You take them and don't argue. Bert had told him all that he knew of the raid, but, as he remarked, that's little enough. None of the men who had volunteered knew the details of the expedition. They knew only that they were to accept orders from an unknown man, follow him blindly and willingly into whatever he might lead them. It was to be a raid of great importance, a raid that might change the course of the war if it proved successful. So great was the secrecy that no man knew who his companions were to be. All of them, as Tom, were waiting for orders to be given without knowing when the orders would come, nor what they would be. Tom spent hours, when his cousin's tentmates were away, studying the map, memorizing minute details of it. 
orders came on his third day at camp he was clearing away the tin plates and cups from which they had been eating dinner when the captain's orderly appeared at the door of the tent captain wants to see you immediately tom and bert exchanged a glance then tom followed the messenger to the captain's tent when the messenger had been stationed to keep intruders away the captain said you will leave tonight take the war trace road out of shelbyville and walk about a mile and a quarter when you come to a fork in the road go into the trees and wait until you're picked up you should be there at eight o'clock you understand yes sir repeat my instructions tom repeated them without fault good wait here a moment the captain left the tent he returned presently with the major of the battalion and another captain from the box where the documents of company b were kept he produced enlistment papers for several minutes while tom stood tense and erect the captain wrote the other two officers talked in an undertone sign here said the captain tom signed the major picked up the paper and glanced through it hold up your right hand said the major then tom heard the oath which bound him to serve the united states of america honorably as a soldier i do he replied and let his hand drop to his side again the two officers signed the papers shook hands with him and nodded to captain moffat and left the tent it all happened so quickly that tom could scarcely realize that he was now a soldier when he had entered the tent he was a civilian bound merely by promises of service now he was a soldier without a uniform to be sure but none the less a soldier his eyes dimmed and he looked away from the captain captain moffat folded the paper returned it to the box and faced tom he looked at him thoughtfully for a few seconds then he placed his hands upon his shoulders private tom burns he said softly good luck to you it will be second lieutenant tom burns if this expedition is a success good luck my boy and may god be with you he took tom's hand and shook it and then tom found himself walking down the street of company b a soldier of company b and he scarcely knew that his feet were treading ground there were two men in the tent talking with bert tom waited impatiently for them to leave tonight he said shortly as the tent flapped dropped behind them tonight yes they sat silently until bert exclaimed i envy you you're the luckiest boy in the world walking right into such a chance as this i wish you were going so do i silence overcame them again i'd better write a letter home tom said presently i'll say that i've enlisted and let it go at that it was shortly before six o'clock when tom left camp he went to the store in shelbyville claimed the suit he purchased two days before and induced the proprietor to let him make the change in the back room of the store he made a bundle of the clothes he had discarded left them at the store saying he would call for them in a few days then went out on the one street of the village it was deserted the good citizens of shelbyville were at dinner and a few soldiers who had come to the village to make purchases were hurrying back to the camp to be there when the mess call sounded in the excitement of his departure tom had forgotten that he must eat but with a half hour to spare before starting for the meeting place he returned to the store and stuffed his pockets with food then with a hunk of cold meat in one hand and a slice of bread in the other he walked down the village road eating his supper as he went near the edge of the village he saw two men ahead of him and he wondered if they too were members of the expedition they stopped leaning against a fence and eyed him as he went by dusk came and then darkness the sky was overcast but occasionally the moonlight flashed through a break in the clouds showing the road before him walking was difficult for the half-dried mud was slippery and the broad wheels of wagons had made deep ruts several times he stumbled and once he wrenched his ankle he made his way more carefully after that sometimes feeling out the ground with the toes of his boots before he placed his weight forward the thought of being disabled before he had really started on the adventure of going back to camp to commiserate with bert over sprained ankles 
filled him with dread. The deepest rut turned away from the main road to a farmhouse. A dog barked, and Tom hurried forward. Several hundred yards further along the road, he thought he saw a man who moved behind a tree and hid. He did not stop to investigate. Tom paused for a moment at the fork of the road, and then went forward breathlessly. Between the bushes which lined the edge of the fork stood several tall trees, with their trunks lost in black, ragged undergrowth. In the darkness he made out a trail. Again he paused, straining for the slightest sound. As he took a step forward, he heard someone say, "'Hello there!' He stopped short. "'Hello!' he gasped. Then, when he had overcome his surprise, "'Where are you?' "'Just four feet ahead of you.' "'Who are you?' "'Brown. Company F, 21st Ohio.' "'Oh!' This with relief in his voice. I'm Burns, Company B of the Second. Are there any others here? He went forward, and they tried to make out each other's faces in the dark. No, there was to be a third man with us, Andrews said, answered Brown. He hasn't come yet. And who's Andrews? asked Tom. Brown laughed. Why, he's the man who's leading us, the one who's going to take us in. I didn't know, answered Tom. They didn't tell me much, except that I was going. That was enough. "'That's about as much as most of the men know,' remarked Brown. "'Knight and I were the only ones who talked with Andrews. "'We are the engineers.' "'The engineers?' asked Tom. "'What sort of engineers?' He heard Brown chuckle. "'Well, they didn't tell you much, did they? "'Locomotive engineers, of course. "'We're going to steal a railroad train.' "'Steal a railroad train?' exclaimed Tom. "'Yep, that's what we're going to do.' Tom gave a low whistle. Brown continued. "'We're going to take a train on the Georgia State Railroad.' Knight and I are to run it, and the rest of you, from down the road, came a mumble of voices. Brown clutched Tom's arm, and they listened. "'That's them!' exclaimed Brown in a whisper. One man of the approaching group stepped off the road into the fork while the others waited. "'Brown?' he called. "'Right here, sir.' Brown stepped forward, and Tom followed. "'How many are with you?' asked the man. "'Just one. Burns. The third hasn't come yet.' "'How are you, Burns? I'm Andrews.' He groped for Tom's hand in the darkness, shook it. "'I wonder where the other man is. Well, it makes no difference. We won't wait for him. Come on.' They followed him out to where the others were standing. "'This way, men,' said Andrews, starting up the road on the left. Brown and Tom fell in beside him. "'The rest of you straggle out so you can get off the road quickly if anyone comes.' Then to Brown and Tom. "'Perhaps he's lost, or perhaps he's changed his mind. Three others weren't where I told them to be, but we'll get along just as well without them.' I arranged it this way, so that if any of you did decide at the last minute that you didn't want to go. He did not finish the sentence. Presently he said, I want no men who aren't anxious to be with me. Tom could not see Andrews's face, but he liked his calm, pleasant voice. Conversation stopped, except for Brown's remark, It looks like rain. And Andrews answering, Hmm. For several minutes they plodded along the road, hidden even from the intermittent light of the moon by the trees that grew beside the road. "'Here we are,' said Andrews presently. They stopped and waited for the others, then turned off the road into a small opening in the woods. Andrews went ahead of them and called back. "'Come over here.' They found him with two men. There came a rumble of thunder, so remote that it seemed like an echo, but to the ears of Andrews's men it was a sharp reminder of the troubles that might lay ahead of them. "'Hmm, perhaps you were right, Brown,' said Andrews. Thunder sounded again, this time nearer. "'Let's count heads.' said Andrews. Get in a semicircle, just as close together as possible. The men groped about, arranging themselves. Tom found himself shoulder to shoulder between two of them. Presently they were quiet. Andrews' calm, authoritative voice came again. 
Starting at this end, give your names and organization. Then, Bensinger, Company G, 21st Ohio. Dorsey, Company H, 33rd. Brown, Company G, 21st. Pittenger, Company G, 2nd. There were twenty of them, not including Andrews. Tom found himself between Wilson, Company C, of the 21st Ohio, and Shadrach, Company K, of the 2nd Ohio. The thunder sounded again, and a few drops of rain pattered down. A murmur arose from the men. More thunder, and a flash of lightning. Another crash, and then more rain splashed about them. It looks as though we're in for bad weather, men, said Andrews. Gather about me so that you can all hear what I'm going to tell you. A streak of lightning illuminated the scene as they moved forward. Tom caught a glimpse of Andrews, a tall man, heavily built, with a long black beard. The rain was falling steadily. Tom unslung the cape which Bert had given him and put it on. There was a general rustle of capes and coats, then silence. Andrews continued, I want all of you to understand that any man who wishes to change his mind may do so, and return to camp when we leave here. I want only those men who are willing and anxious to see this thing through. Follow me to the end. He paused. And that end may well be disaster. You have three days and three nights in which to reach Marietta, and you may travel as you see fit. Avoid forming groups of more than four. Course is east into the Cumberland Mountains, then south to the Tennessee River. Cross the river and travel by train, from whatever station you come to, through Chattanooga to Marietta. I will follow the same general course. Be at the hotel in Marietta not later than Thursday evening, ready to start the next morning. Have you any questions to ask about the route? There were questions, many of them. Over and over again he traced the course they were to follow, told them what they might find at certain points, what to avoid. I will supply you with all the Confederate money you will need. Carry none of our money with you. And if we are questioned? asked Brown. Tom recognized his voice. Then, in another flash of lightning, he caught a glimpse of his face. That one glimpse was to change the course of Tom's adventures. I am coming to that presently, answered Andrews. Buy whatever you need, and hire any sort of conveyance that you may think safe. But don't be lavish with the money I'm giving you. It may have to last a long time. It should be more than enough, but we can't tell what will happen. And now, about being questioned. If you have to answer questions, say that you come from Fleming County, Kentucky, that you are on your way to join the Southern troops. I happen to know that no men from Fleming County are in the Southern Army, so there will be little risk of meeting anyone from there. And if you are asked why you don't enlist immediately, say that you want to join a regiment in Atlanta. And if we're completely cornered? asked one of the men. Then enlist. In the Southern Army? Surely. Remember, men, that you are playing a bigger game than your own personal likes and dislikes. The idea of enlisting in the Southern Army may seem terrible, but it isn't so terrible as being captured and tried as a spy. You can desert at the first chance. And remember this. Upon every one of you depends the success or failure of this venture. There was a murmur of approval, then silence. Andrews continued. Tomorrow morning, General Mitchell starts on a forced march. He will surprise and capture Huntsville on Friday. Our work is to capture the train that same day, destroy communications from Atlanta, and join him with all possible speed. We will try to reach him with our train. Failing that, we will desert the train and join him as best we can. Mitchell would move the next morning? Huntsville? Chattanooga? For a moment, the men were silent. Then came a sharp, Ah! The long winter campaign was ended. Now for action! We will start at once, said Andrews. A crash of thunder drowned his words. From Marietta onwards, we will fight it out together. He began to distribute money to them. Several groups disappeared into the night. Shall we go together? asked a man at Tom's right. My name's Shadrach. 
Yes, mine's Burns. Mine's Wilson, said another man. Let's make it three. Good. They filed past Andrews, took the handful of Confederate money he held out, and started towards the road. The rain ceased for a few seconds, then came a flash of lightning, a burst of thunder, and the rain came swirling down. In an instant, Tom and his two companions were utterly alone in the black night, headed for the southern lines. End of chapter. Recording by Brett Downey.